Welcome to the Engineer of What podcast. I got some exciting stuff for this, Rick. Ricky's got some exciting stuff. And we have a third person. Dave? Say hi, Dave. That's Oh, it's me. Yeah. Hi, Dave. <laughs> That's Dave. So we decided, Ricky and I, that every 10 episodes, we want to do a uh, guest on the show. For, for this week, we have Dave. Uh, he's from New York, so he's up here with me. So Ricky's still left alone. Um, even mm-hmm. though we're all doing this remote. Um, per usual. Yep. Dave, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself real quick before we get started? Sure. Um, so I am the Chief Iteration Manager and uh, Technical Lead of Scale Adoption for the IBM Open Data Analytics Project. Um, so basically, I do a lot of management-ish kind of stuff for the technical groups, and I was at one point a programmer uh, up until very recently. So uh i'm sure more of that will be discussed in, as we go forward so can you real quick and i hope i wasn't the only one can you just say your title again because they yeah, sounded let's like unpack a lot that. of us. Let's unpack that a yeah so there. there's, there's quite a lot of it um so the project that i work on is called the ibm open data analytics for zos uh it's basically running uh python and anaconda um as well as uh spark on zos which is kind of a, a newer project um, and so I am both the chief iteration manager, which is for an agile mumbled, uh, you know, agile terminology for basically, I just make sure people are getting their crap done. And, uh, I'm also the technical lead for scale adoption, which means that I work with business partners and, uh, contractors to make sure that they, uh, basically reach more customers for our, for ourselves. So basically rather than spending a lot of time, uh, trying to reach customers myself, I have them do it for me, and basically they scale it out. That's what I do. Gotcha. Now, because you said the magic word agile, on a scale from 1 to 10, how agile are you? Are you well, strict agile, or are you, like, halfway? I'm fairly strict agile. I would probably say I'm probably in the 90% agile case. Where nice. I'm not necessarily a purist, but I, I, I do think that I like the agile approach. Good. Is okay. agile meaning something else here? I'm kind of confused (laughs) i had a feeling why don't don't you just explain agile real quick then okay so uh traditional software development models uh, you would take the time to actually plan out uh, the entire project uh, including all the features everything that was supposed to go inside of it uh you would build it and then at the end of the building it uh you would present it to a customer this was called the waterfall model basically we go through the whole process of you develop it you test it etc etc um agile kind of does it in a different approach where you start doing something, you take a minimal viable product or MVP is the ter- terminology most people use. Um, you take it, you develop it to this very basic level. You present it to a customer and you say, okay, what do you want added? Or what don't you like? And then they say, I like this or I don't like this. You do a couple of quick changes um, and then you present it again and you present it again. You keep getting the feedback from them according to the, what's happening. Um, rather than doing long extensive meetings, you do something called uh, scrums where you stand up for 15 minutes at most. Uh, and that's like, God forbid it last 15 minutes. Um, you do a quick mm-hmm. meeting, everyone goes around and says, Hey, this is what I do. This is what I don't like doing. Um, I'm stuck at this. And somebody says, I can help you after the meeting. And then that's basically the conclusion of the meeting. Yep. That's about right. I know huh. my company somewhere in between agile and scrum, definitely more agile than scrum, but we're in that in between boat. Yeah, so, Agile and Scrum are kind of like inter, fairly interchangeable. Interchangeable. You can take parts from yeah. You yeah. can take parts from both and still be okay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So now 
we're going to get back to Dave. We're going to get back answering, asking him some questions. But before we go any further, I want to jump into a lot of stuff that happened this week. I bombarded Ricky and probably a bunch of other people because I was traveling during this time. But we were doing, uh, last week, there was Microsoft Build, Google I.O., and Dave, I don't think IBM had an event, did they? Uh, no, no, not uh, this week. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but either way, Ricky, Dave, tell me your thoughts about what you think uh, this week was with terms of build and IO in the same week. As an Android developer, I was super pumped for half the stuff they said. So, and Ricky, you have an Android phone, so you're probably excited. Uh, I'm liking I- I'm liking P a lot. I'm the new little features here or there. That's I heard sweet. I heard the Nexus Six P though isn't getting Android P. However ironic that is. I have a five X, but. Yeah, that makes sense because okay. I, I only have two gig of RAM, so you know that's. It's, it seems oh, yeah. like they kind of fell in their <laughs> face a little bit with that P uh, naming convention there. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, they went from Android. What they started N. doing letters when it's like N. Well, and no, it's, o it's for Oreo. Well, no, it, whenever it's in um, beta, it, when it's not fully out, it's just a letter. So then, oh, I, I right. think that's how they're doing it. Is when it's not fully out, it's just a letter. But then when they put it out, gotcha. then it's a candy or. A sweet of some sort. Yeah, what would what would P be for candy? I don't know. Popsicle. Popsicle. I hope it's Android Popsicle. That'd be pretty cool. You heard it here uh, first, folks. Yep, Popsicle. you heard it first. Android Popsicle. It's going to be the Android <laughs> robot guy just licking a popsicle. That has... and we'll order popsicles for you too on Duplex. You got to worry about uh, when yes. they get to S though, because uh, S is Skynet, and that's when uh, you know. Mm. That's when it ends. Yeah, exactly. That's mm. when everything ends. So that's where yeah, they're pulling up duplex now to start. Skynet. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Don't right. get that far ahead. We got a couple letters to go. So. Oh, my apologies. That, that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so did any? Before I get started, because I'm gonna dive into a million things I'm excited about. Are either one of you excited for anything that came out of either of these conferences? I, one thing I was excited about was uh, Google's um, meeting. Uh, I don't even know what it was called. Meeting assistant, where basically they, they had a their robot basically call and set up a meeting for a dental dental appointment. Um, so oh, the duplex, no human in, yeah. And yeah. I was just like, I'm like, I know that's not ready for actual commercial use, like you know, for regular use at this point. But I cannot wait for that technology because there's nothing worse than having to call people on the phone. I know that <laughs> sounds weird, but I hate it. <laughs> oh my god! Did you know? Did you know that duplex beat the Turing test? I'm not. I'm not shocked. Actually, when I saw that, uh, saw a demo of it, I was like, it seemed like it probably would have. Wow. Okay. That's ridiculous. Yep. Uh, by the way, Ricky, do you know what the Turing test is? Before we like alienate you again. Kind <laughs> of a little bit. I've heard it in like different Go ahead, Dave. scenarios. Okay. Yeah. So, so the Turing test was uh, something hypothesized by Alan Turing, which was uh, if you're trying to test uh, the artificial intelligence, like to see if it's really true artificial intelligence. It should meet a test where you basically put a computer in one room and a human in another, and somebody asks a question. If the person that asked the question or the series of questions can't tell the difference between the computer and the person, then it passed the Turing test. Yep. Huh. So, and that's why I think people were getting upset with uh, how duplex sounded too real, and they're now Google saying that it's going to identify itself when it calls people for your, you know, your pizza or your dentist or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. They're going to have to do something because I know they had the technologies ready, but I don't know if the rest of the world's ready. No. It's one another yeah. just another thing that Google is too far ahead. But yep. 
Oh, well. All right. Any, anything Next else thing. from Google? Yeah, Google I.O. build. Anything exciting? I'm like in Android things. That's that's what much needed. The Android what? Point. Android things. Android things. Did I miss Did something? you see that? It's yeah, uh, Android, Android um, bringing all of your Internet of Things devices under oh. under one umbrella. And then yes. it's more secure that way. And it's going to get better updates. And just, you know, it's, it's more... It's just essentially more secure is the biggest feature of that, but they, then you can control them on your phone too. They did that because Microsoft not only announced a better version of their Internet of Things, they're also like, hey, we built our own um, processing chips that you can now put in everything and it automatically supports Azure. So, Wait, for real? That's awesome. Yo, I'm being 100% serious. Microsoft I didn't, has I didn't see as much IoT on uh, Microsoft build because I'm more of a Google person, obviously, but... Yeah. I, don't know. I haven't. Uh, I was trying to look for stuff on that, but um, couldn't find much. I saw some stuff about Hololens, but uh, yeah, they always cover Hololens. This year, you probably didn't see a lot uh, because they were yeah. really focused on AI stuff. So, like, how can I use yeah. Azure for like your vision services, cognitive services, speech recognition services? Um, that's kind of what they were focused on this year. All Azure. Yeah. The cool thing was um, the meeting where they had Cortana taking meeting notes and could tell who was who by facial recognition. The, yeah, they uh, they basically had that last year. So really, in ter- yeah, in terms of build, I didn't. See and last this year's. this is e- this is even coming from well, I was there last year. Holler, so upset I wasn't this year. Um, but wow. uh, I either way, I heard build this year wasn't that great overall. So, can, can I say one thing in, def- in defense yeah. though? Is uh, out of all names they could have used for their AI assist, Cortana, uh, Microsoft won that competition in my opinion. Like you know, Alexa, Siri, whatever, who cares? But Cortana, like awesome. It's because Microsoft had Halo first and just decided to make everything better. Well, of yeah, course, not, yeah. And I, I, I know where the root came from, but I was just like, yes. When I heard that they were doing that, I'm like, you guys, you guys just championed that. I know. Google doesn't have a yep. name for them for its AI, does it? It's just Google Assistant, right? There's no like name. Yeah, it's no, just Google. I didn't, I didn't think so. Okay, they're the only yeah, ones without a name, and that's just because they're like it's so good. We just need to alienate it in some way. <laughs> so that's all they did. Um, anything else out of you guys for Google I/O or Build? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, don't, I don't follow Microsoft stuff all that much because I, I don't I don't have the ability to use it all that often. So uh, uh, I'm more of a Unix guy, so I, I don't really know. I didn't follow it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I can say that some of the stuff that excited me was out of Google, Android P has some sweet developer features. Like they released um, what's called Android Jetpack, which is to build an Android app and have backwards compatibility, you used to have to add support libraries that had the exact version lined up and you'd have to add like 20 of them. Um, they basically said that's stupid and just made it one library. So they basically just simplified my life. Um, Android P also has that location services thing where using Wi-Fi can detect your location indoors to like what, two, three meters or something. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I can see that being used for like a lot of really strong potential things. Even like SWAT teams or something like that, like trying to figure out where people are inside of a building. It just sounds really cool. Yeah, once beta two, they already have beta one out for my phone. Once they have beta two out for my phone, I'm going to get it and start playing around with it and see how well I can get it to work. But I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, super excited. Um, and then out of Microsoft Build, uh, th- there wasn't too much that's exciting. 
they uh they have a new machine learning framework called ml.net which i already started using and it's super easy to quickly just start doing your own machine learning modeling off your own data um which is a guess guess is a plus but again for the developers nothing for do do you know how many models are actually like supporting at this point or is this like a pretty large library uh it is a pretty large library and the huge benefit is that they made it 100 percent open source so if i don't have the model in there i can just go get it myself and Uh, praise the interwebs awesome yeah so uh that's that was kind of so this was the reason microsoft build was kind of a huge bummer but it's also a huge benefit was the fact that it was uh they announced a bunch of stuff at build but everyone knew what was coming because it's open source and has been out for the past three months so they're (laughs) like oh we have ml.net and we're like yep anyone who follows you on github knows knows about that so thanks by the way, that's really exciting to me, and I'm I'm a good, really big fan of open source. In fact, most of the stuff that I do is actually working with open source products. So, um, being able to contribute back or using something that's like from Microsoft, that's pretty cool. Like that, they just gonna like turn it open. Yeah, um, and they're super responsive in terms of their team. Like I know I've done pull requests into their libraries, and everyone's been super responsive. They've taken a few. Um, it's not just like oh, here's the code on the internet. They actually actively engage with the community really well. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice, as opposed to Esri, where it's just like, ha, ha, "Here's the unfinished product. Have fun," and then it yep. eats your CPU you like no tomorrow and your RAM. So yep. it's it's and cool. You can't go fix it. It's yep. cool, Esri. No problem. It's cool. Yep. Not salty. Anyway. Yep. I know we got to get past that because you're just gonna get mad at it. So we're just gonna <laughs> uh, we're just gonna move on from that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So getting into the real questions for this week. Um, what are you drinking? Yeah, Ricky, you start. <laughs> All right, what do I have in my hand? I got flapjack maple milk stout with real Vermont maple syrup. I'm trying this week, wow, unfortunately, that sounds good. Unfortunately, can't t- taste the maple syrup at all. Well, Ricky, you can go to your fridge and get some maple syrup and shake yep. it up and and see what it is. You know, basically, that's living yeah. the dream right there. That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. Dave? Yeah, it's not bad. I, I went with a Yingling lager, you know, nothing fancy, but uh, does it in a pinch. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's better yeah. than me. I came, Ricky was like, hey, I got a good name beer this week because we try to compete back and forth. And uh, this week I don't even have beer in the fridge. There's nothing. So what so I sad. have is club soda and dragonberry rum. Dragonberry so. rum? Hey, Who's first that of all, uh, Bricotti. I think you're actually doing it better than I. We are because we're, we're drinking beer and you're drinking rum. I am doing rum. And for those of you who heard, Dave, uh, we'll start going right into the questions for Dave. Is Dave has three wonderful dogs um, at his new house. Uh, one of them being the brother of my dog. Uh, actually, one of the three huh. dogs is now living at uh, my father-in-law's house. We we gave, gave him to her, uh, him as a birthday present. Oh, uh, that's great. I'm guessing it's Toby. Yes, yes, you are correct on that. Yeah. But yes, yeah, your dog's brother is uh, still living here. And um, yes, yeah, so if you guys hear that, I apologize. But uh, we have a great Dane who uh, is loud enough that she can wake the neighbors. Um, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> it's a point of contention, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's fine. I think Ricky can testify that I've talked about my dog enough um, that we're we're good yeah. at that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like your wife would talk more about your dog than you, honestly. Uh, I would beg to differ. Really? 
Her Instagram yeah. is that's all her Instagram is is your dog. I will I will admit I don't do too much, but I am a dog dad too much. I spoil the dog every time. That's I, I, I've seen him around that dog on several occasions, and uh, he's not, he's not lying. Nope, not a line at all. He, so oh my gosh, I, need, I yep, still need to visit move. that dog. I don't think I've ever I know. met the dog. No, nope, but yeah. you will soon. Yeah, um, hopefully very soon, within a month or so. And, and when you meet his dog, if you think, oh, a boy, and then also bigger, uh, you'll know what my dog. dog looks like. Good God. Exactly. Oh uh, his name exactly. is Johnny Cash, and he's awesome. <laughs> Best name ever. That is a great name. All right. So now, going into Dave, our guest of the week. Super excited to have you here. Um can you discuss with us, so you talked about your role now and how you used to be a dev. Can you tell us about what it was like being a dev where you work at IBM and how do you miss being a dev? Do you wish you were still coding? Do you still code for fun? All that. Wow. Okay, let's try to unpack that a little bit because there was a lot of uh, little sub-questions. I just wanted that. to throw it, all, throw it all at you at once. I didn't want to give any room for error. I just wanted to throw it all at you. Just pick a question and go. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so... Actually, I, my career path at IBM has been rather interesting. I, I didn't actually go, I didn't join IBM as a, as a dev. Um, I actually joined IBM as a performance um, tester. So basically I would uh, come in and actually, I would analyze system analytics uh, tools for performance uh, um, and then would push them out. Or at least that's what my job title was. And then they found out that I was really good at scripting. And uh, then they were like, hey, can you do this demo? The next thing I know... I'm presenting it at a conference in, and this is only like, I don't know, six months into IBM, which is pretty unheard of. Um, at that point, uh, the guy I was working with, he was like an executive level person. He's like, you don't belong in performance. You should be over in dev. Uh, so he threw me over there. And um, after I get over to development, I'm realizing that I'm not doing like traditional development where I'm not, I'm not having, uh, I'm not having code reviews. I'm not doing any of the, the traditional practices that were happening. Um, what I was noticing was that I kept getting pushed over to like these weird silos and they kept being like, Dave, can you build uh, this tool that does blank or can you make this happen? And you have like three days. Can you, can you do this? Can you do this? Um, and I kept pulling it off and I kept making these like demos happen. Um, so then they were like, Oh, uh, let's give you some more responsibility. So they started throwing, <laughs> piling more responsibility on my shoulders, which it's cool. Um, made, I got pulled into a lot more meetings with higher level people that um, I probably shouldn't have been involved with. I, I don't know how on earth I got pulled in, but well, let me let me just say this first for everyone who's listening. Yeah, go ahead. Is that is that uh, I've actually seen your last demo, and it is it is impressive the stuff that you've done. The one that you did out in Vegas, that one was pretty cool. Yeah, you know what's funny about that demo is uh, there were so many hurdles that happened that I didn't actually get a chance yep. to code with the real data until the day of that I was due. Yep, um, and you and still I, <laughs> killed it, and you yeah. still killed it. So Thanks, man. that should that should be proof of how how good you are at that. Ooh, what was this that. demo on? Um, for the uninitiated. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, all right, so um, wow, this is gonna be like a weird thing to explain. Um, so there's there's a term for a certain group of developers uh, called data scientists, and they basically their job is to analyze large um, data sets. And come up with you know statistical analysis, uh, machine learning, um, basically show take take the raw data and make value out of it. Um, so there's all these like huge banks and uh, um, insurance companies and 
all these groups that have all this data like sitting around that they've been using for transactions for you know decades but uh they, they need something to do with it so i i got publicly accessible data from uh a state that i will remain nameless for the sake of you know publicity and uh basically i just took their their data and uploaded it onto one of our mainframes and just analyzed it inside of something called a notebook which is a data science tool just to quickly use code to make graphs and things of that sort so you can play around and massage the data um they look really cool inside of demos and typically they're really useful when you're trying to talk to an executive because uh, then you're like oh look pretty pictures and uh that's <laughs> That's pretty much how that goes. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, so with your role, with your role now, do you do you miss being a dev? Do you miss was that your, which one? Which part of the stages? Right. So you from where you started to where you are now, which role was your favorite? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I like part of what I do quite a lot right now. Um, the scale adoption stuff that I'm doing is is a lot of fun, and I'm getting a lot of ch uh, chance to kind of make decisions about what's what's going on actually the chief federation manager stuff i'm doing is I, i'm getting a, a chance to make a lot of decisions about where we're going nice. and uh and in that sense I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that um i get to do some kind of like system architectural kind of design work with uh, the one role and i that's like my favorite kind of work to do um i like architecture stuff too I do miss some of the DevOps work I was doing, and I know that some people hate DevOps, but I'm like the biggest fan. Um, I like being able to do like the soup to nuts, like I, I control the entire environment kind of setup, um, where you don't get to tell me what, nice. what happens because I, I control the universe, you know, one of those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I do cool. miss that a little bit. Um, do you still do any of that like on the side, right? So you said a lot of stuff you do is open source. Do you have any projects you're working on? Do you... Outside of IBM, right? Do you have anything that you work on? Uh, honestly, um, I have not had any chance to do coding outside of IBM in such a long time. And uh, most of my time is either spent um, working, uh, doing something church-related or uh, farm-related. Um, That's so, so we have we have goats and uh, uh, chickens, turkeys, and stuff like that. So basically, my wife and I are trying to build up our farm, um, which is like a new exciting thing but um totally unrelated to engineering so <laughs> yeah i would say that's a good extreme is one one day you're programming and you know deciding decisions for you know companies that own server farms and you're in out in the middle of nowhere owning your own farm yeah it, it was it's like uh, it's like my hobby of like woodworking also it's like uh that is as opposite of a you know thing as i could possibly come up with and uh yeah. I, I i do that on purpose too so i like when i when i get done with work i'm like okay what, what what can i do that's not computer related oh uh let's let's go you know make a guitar or something um yeah yeah <laughs> no i get you i get you um ricky before i go into any more questions do you have any yeah, yeah go ahead uh no <laughs> oh i don't <laughs> build up to no, nothing that well is played. yeah i I, uh, this is not my realm of knowledge in the slightest, so I don't even know where to start asking questions. <laughs> to be honest, that's fine. Then yeah. you can cut off, cut off, and jump in whenever you want. Then, um, so Dave, speaking more to your to your role, your role now, um, was that a hard gap to go from development to where you are now? And in the role that you're in now, do you have to manage other developers? 
Oh yeah. I mean like, so first of all, the, the chief iteration manager role that is like legitimately just organizing other developers. Uh, so okay. I have, um, I think four IMs underneath me. Uh, so those are iteration managers. So each group, um, so the, the project is fairly large. It has 20 something people on it. Um, so it's broken into small squads and each squad has a project owner and an iteration manager. And so all the iteration managers, uh, all report to me. I kind of do what's what we're, we nickname a scrum of scrums, um, <laughs> which is basically checking with them once a week, uh, to make sure we're actually achieving goals. And, um, I kind of help guide like, you know, uh, priorities and things of that sort. Gotcha. Um, force them to do boring stuff like make burn down charts, you know? Yeah. Exciting yeah, things. Yeah. Has anything from, so this is a big thing for me. So we had a, I mean, I, I think ever since episode one, Ricky, you can back me up. I've made it very clear that I don't like QA, that it's not my favorite thing in the world. Oh, QA is um, the worst. Yeah. See, those I think were my exact words. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's, it's like, it, it, if I had to pick, um, if I had to pick like the worst thing, like to do with software development ish related, uh, QA would be like probably number one. All right, we're on the same page then. So, like, anyway. you guys doing the QA or somebody else doing the QA for your product? Oh no! Listen here. Both. If somebody did okay. QA for me, uh, as long as I don't have to like address it at all, I don't care. Um, but if you ever ask me to deal with QA, I'm probably gonna cry. The only form of QA I'll deal with is writing my own unit tests, so I don't have to deal with QA. I don't consider that QA though. I consider that just being a solid developer and doing like uh, test-driven development. So, so yeah, that's that's that was gonna be my next question. So the type of QA we have is they go into the web browser and they just test the product and then write bugs, sometimes based off their opinion, sometimes based off what an actual issue is, right? The QA guy that just got assigned to us is making me like QA again because he used to be a developer and now is QA. So he does it from like a development driven standpoint where now he's like looking to how he can automate stuff, looking to see, um, he kind of just only reports bugs that I know I'm going to fix and provides the right information for, which is really helpful. But, um, with that, right. So this is a good example of how a guy who is in QA was in development. And in my opinion, does a better job in QA cause he knows how, you know, I'm going to work on the code, fix the code, all that stuff in your role now, Dave, has it helped that you've been a developer? So you know how to talk to other developers, how, what they look for so that you can kind of bridge the gap there. Oh, absolutely. And um, I think a big portion of that. So one of the things that is actually a responsibility I have is I, I, I'm one of the two people that have the final say that says we're shipping this or we're not shipping this. Um, so we both have that power, myself and the project manager. And uh, so she, she flat out told me at one point, she goes, you don't, I don't know any of this technical stuff. So uh, if you don't feel like this is technically viable or you, you think it's not meeting our spec specifications or, you know, our minimal criteria, or you just don't think it, it actually meets our standards, um, you have the ability. And she's like, and I'll totally back you up to just say, no, we're not shipping it. Um, nice. so honestly, if I, if I didn't have that technical background, uh, I would be terrible at my job. Um, I'm, I, I don't even know if I'm doing good at my job at this point. Cause I've only been this, in this position for like three weeks now. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, but even when you have to talk to developers, do they kind of, is that relationship a little easier? Cause I mean, I, I do you work, are the developers you talk to nowadays, the people that you used to work with, or are they just a whole different department? 
Oh yeah, they, they, they all worked with me in the past, and I'm pretty sure that at least most of them like me. So when I go over there and I talk, I talk to them. I, I do it with a lot of respect, and like I try to uh, make sure that they understand that I, I'm for them and I'm trying to make their lives better. So um, I, I I flat out say, hey, what are your concerns? What's going on? Um, uh, so so that they get a, they get a voice in the matter. So it's not just me saying dictating this is what's happening, but I'm like. Yeah, at least explain what's going on. Um, and so, like, when we have a bug come up or whatever, one of the testers will come up to me and be like, hey, this is what's going on. Um, and they said, they've, they've told me in the past, like, oh, they've had problems with other people uh, because, you know, they, they, they thought that we, we should have shipped and they disagreed and there's a whole political battle back and forth. And I said, okay, as long as you can present to me a solid argument um, technically speaking, um, of why this should or shouldn't go, then, you know, I'm going to be on your side because, um, I'll at least understand. And if nothing else, I, I will, I will do my best to explain it to other people in a way that, that makes them, you know, understand what's happening. Gotcha. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so another question for you. So you said the last stuff you do is open source. I'm on IBM's GitHub right now. Is there anything I can find that you work on or does all your open source stuff exist elsewhere other than GitHub? Uh, let me actually send you a link because we have our own uh, GitHub for, for the project. That of I'm course on. you do. Of course you do. Because uh, IBM is rather large. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, uh, but I just sent you a link. And inside gotcha. of there, you'll, you'll see some demos and there's a whole section about JupyterHub, um, which is a bunch of Docker container kind of stuff that I, I wrote. Um, oh, gotcha. You're still in I GitHub, did, but yeah, okay. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I did some really non-standard uh, stuff with Docker. Um, it's stuff that's you know, it's not like unkosher or uh, unusual. It's just not. It's not something that like people would would approach normally. This is uh, some weird kind of uh, technology or techniques to make things happen. So, um, if you can, let's talk about Docker a little bit. Your experiences with it and all that stuff. So, uh, one of the reasons I was late for this podcast tonight was because uh the user group i helped manage uh had someone come in tonight from microsoft he actually spoke at build so he just gave his build demos at our user group meeting um great guy brian if you're listening um but uh he was talking about docker so he was talking about docker probably in the same way that you use docker but it was uh, he's all about the Azure gaming community, right? So his demo, which was super cool, was how he can automatically spin up and spin down Docker images based off how many people are in a, a game lobby. So like as people play the online game, it'll spin up Docker images, and then when it's done, it'll spin them down, and you know all the pricing behind that, and how you know Azure functions are the ones that automatically detect people in a lobby and all that other stuff what do you guys you know use docker for okay so that's a super broad question to be perfectly honest no that's um, fair that's fair i'm <laughs> i'm i'm still in the the newbie stages of docker where like i understand how it works and i use it in a couple applications but i'd know where use it on like a scale that's worth talking about you know what i mean yeah no absolutely uh so so docker i mean you're gonna hear the the term like microservices like thrown around a lot with Docker. Yeah. Yep. Um, and basically, I mean, fundamentally, it's this traditional model. You, you would spend like a whole crap load of money on like a server, and then you would have to put like you know twelve different applications on the same server because they, you didn't want to like waste the utilization or whatever. Yep. Um, then then you got virtual machines that came along, and you're like, 
okay, so I can break those apart. And in a lot of senses, like virtual machines actually carried kind of the microservice kind of mentality about them because you'd be like, each server would have its own like one unit task. Like that server would do this. And this is like the way, in my opinion, good environments are set up is like you have one server that does one thing and that's all, that's its whole job. Um, Docker kind of like blew that up even farther in the sense that um, they're like, okay, let's do that, but let's do it in a super like efficient way. So instead of having this weird overhead where you have to deal with all the virtual memory and uh, virtual, you know, virtual CPU utilization, et cetera, et cetera, uh, mm-hmm. let's just cut out the middleman and run it in the same operating system that you're starting with, uh, but just uh, in a different root directory, basically. Uh, I'm, I'm fudging it a little bit, but I mean, that's effectively what it is. It's just like, like you start in a different spot. Uh, but you're basically running it all from the same server. So it's like one server that you just broke up into a whole bunch of different small pieces. Um, yeah, he even said the way to explain it is it's a lightweight VM, but it's not a VM. Yeah, that that seems that seems like a pretty good way to explain it. Uh, it's like a lightweight VM because you're not doing all this virtualization. So No, and it's only what you need in there. There's nothing right. else other than what you need to run your app. So even for this gaming thing, it was... The entire Docker, what they call container, was uh, five megabytes, and it was literally an executable, a couple uh, scripts, and that was it. And that's all it needed. It wasn't this huge operating system tacked on and all these libraries and all this other stuff. It was an executable, some scripts, and that was it. Oh, I've never, I've never made one that small before, but I, I have seen them pretty small. Um, I yeah. typically, uh, I, I do a. Generally speaking, when I when I build them, I make like a super small Debian image or something like I, I find it on Docker Hub, uh, something that's pretty minimalistic, and then I just stack on like the bare minimum requirements for whatever software I'm going to be using for whatever server it is. Yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, the the other benefit, man, I forgot where I was going with this already. Forget it. Keep going, Dave. Oh yeah, put me on the spot. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Making no, this on the show. That's great. Thanks. I know. <laughs> Poor Ricky. Um, so, <laughs> hey man, I just deal with water. That's about it. In GIS, I don't know any of this. <laughs> okay. So, so, I, all right. So, so, this is completely unrelated, and I apologize if I'm derailing things, but um, happens all the time. You, you deal with water. Um, if you had somebody complain about the fact that you had, uh, you were dumping farm like manure, uh, outside of like. You know, 200, 300, oh, so like, what was it? 300 feet outside of, away from their well. Uh, but they were claiming that it might get inside of an aquifer and poison their well, um, even though it's like well outside of the, uh, both the CDC and also the uh, state government area. Would you have any qualms that, that like they're, they're full of crap? Like the people owning the well saying that? Yes. Like, Depending on what aquifer they were to, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of different factors. I mean, that that would go in. But like, sorry, if I, I just like dumped on you. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. I mean, we actually had to deal with that because with what um, there's a, there's a few wells that are, are getting installed. So we're trying to do uh, some well, uh, some uh, yeah, what do you call them? Permits for the town that I'm con- that my company's contracted with. So, like, I mean, we're running into that kind of thing where it's like, oh, so where's the uh, cone of influence? You know, where is this going to affect other things? You know, people are going to 
you know, be upset with if their wells are going to get drained because, you know, we're installing more wells for this huge community co-in. So, like, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, because a lot of people, the public in general, especially when you get into local government, local especially, he is just so bad with this. You get people that are like, my water is giving me hives. And we're like, you just you stare at them and like, what? Yeah, but the, you're, the water that's coming through my system is giving me hives. We're like, how are you sure it's the water and not your system? Oh, no, I'm sure it's the water. Well, when did this start happening? Oh, well, right around the time that blah, 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 this or that. And we're just, you know, just thinking like, no, this isn't, no, this isn't how it works at all. And then, you know, trying to do other things in the town with the water. And, you know, people just don't understand the scientific aspects of it. And so, yeah, I would kind of, depending on it, I would say like, yeah, no, you're, Kind of I, I, I feel like water especially like is one of those things that's just doomed to have conspiracy theory based on mm. it. oh my uh, god flint is just ugh, kill me the internet is just going nuts with every little false fake news out there with flint and it's just it's sometimes i just want to ring people by the neck and be like no stop just stop please you don't know what you're talking about we you did know. a whole episode on that didn't we because yeah, of everything that was happening yeah yeah, yeah still, I, I listened to like, that episode. And oh, thank you. Uh, and and like there was, I saw on Reddit this one um, uh, article by Michigan Live, I think. It and the most clickbaity article I have ever seen in my life, and said twenty two percent of the pipes in Flint are failing. And the issue with that though is that they weren't. That wasn't actually what was happening. What was happening is. The pipes, they were running into dead-end pipes. So then they took somebody's words out of context and said that they were failing. You know, and those kind of little things that will stack and stack and stack. And then water. And then especially because people associate water with, you know, all sorts of health complications, obviously. Because, you know, it's the easiest way to get um, certain diseases or anything like that. But it's just amazing this false information out there that people just don't even try and research at all. Yeah, so, so statistics are one of those things that, like, when you start looking at big data, you start seeing a whole lot of results. Um, people can draw their own conclusions. Actually, quite a lot of what I do is actually related to this because, you know, the data science stuff or whatever. Um, and th- there's a story that, like, I always like to bring up when, when people are starting to talk about, uh, you know, big data or, like, you know, people making up statistical numbers or whatever else. Um, and that's when statistic, uh the military started using statistics back in World War One. This was like the British military that was doing this. They just started uh, putting out, like, they started giving out their soldiers uh, metal helmets instead of hats uh, to help them when they're in the trenches to, for, like, head damage and stuff like that uh, so they wouldn't die. Um, but right after they, they did this, you know, a short while later, the, the uh, present, presentation was given to a general that was showing all these new neck and shoulder damages that, that were taking place. And uh, uh, basically the general was like, oh, so metal helmets are actually like causing people to have shoulder and neck damage. It's like, no, those are people that right. would have died. <laughs> um, so so they, they got injured, but they, they're not dead um, is what it should have been. So people just like take whatever they want as far as conclusions go. And they, they look, look at data and they say, this is the conclusion that I want to draw from it. And they pull from it. Um, so it's really, really difficult to actually be objective when you're doing data analysis. Um, cause you can, you can do whatever you can fudge, whatever you want. Right. 
And I think what did we Nate? Did we talk about this in the uh, the water episode where I was saying about um, people were freaking out about Nestle pulling? I think it was like uh, half oh, million gallons I, a day. I, what, yeah, yeah, yep. something yep. like that. And and people were like, "Oh my god, that's so much!" And then you know, the, and well, first off, they're not even pulling close to Flint, and then all this and that, and half a million gallons gallons a day is a drop in the bucket with how much water is in the aquifer in Michigan in the various aquifers and it's just like exactly you know people will see that number we'll see numbers and take it to the next level and you know people just need numbers explained to them properly but well you know half a million sounds like a lot until you oh yeah it does sound like a lot yeah 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 and, and people just just don't know the scales i guess is a good thing. you know you need to show them scales especially when they don't know anything about the topic you need to show them a scale of how much half a million gallons to what a typical plant will run in a day you know like four mgd or something like that you know which is you know it's it's small yeah well unless there's ricky you got anything else i no. uh I appreciate you, Dave, taking us so far off track so that Ricky could be included in this episode. A little I appreciate bit. that. Oh, that's you. what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, that's all the questions I have for you, Dave. But did you have any questions uh, for us or anything else that you'd want to mention about your role change and uh, just what you're working on now? I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. Um I like how you keep affirming that I have good questions. It makes me feel good as an interviewer. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And that's a good point. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is just like a generic positivity thing that like my mom instilled in me. So uh, thanks, mom. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, I guess I guess the only thing I could say is that one of the things that I've been learning over the over the past little while, and I think this is true universally as far as uh, like the engineering fields go, is. Uh, if you if you are good at what you do, just speak up, um, because uh, you you can be noticed pretty well if you if you have the confidence to actually like make yourself heard. Um, I, I think a lot of people struggle uh, trying to figure out how to like move up the ladder like in their various assorted industries because they they just like they can sit and be quiet. Like I, I've seen tons of my fellow new hires. Um, or other people who have been like sitting around, like they just don't like participate inside of meetings or they don't, um, they don't have the courage to like step up. And, um, I think that the people who actually have the courage to step up and actually like put themselves out there, um, are going to be like the ones that actually have the ability to move forward. Um, I don't know if that really answered your question or not, or if I just got preaching. No, I, no, no, that's good though. I think it just emphasizes on the fact that, uh, you have to not only be speaking up, but you got to be keeping up because I mean, technology is going to move twice as fast as any single one of us. So oh, if you if you don't even try to keep up, you're lost before you even start trying. Oh, a hundred percent. Like if you stop trying to learn, like the instant you stop learning, like you're already three steps behind. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's right. good. Um. Yep. That's all I had, Ricky. Did you have anything? No, I don't think I'm all right. All right. Well, Dave, I appreciate you being on this week uh, as our first guest on the Engineer of What podcast. Um, we appreciate your your insight, your congrats on the promotion just in person, probably for like the fifth time. But uh, <laughs> but if you have any other water questions, you can direct them to Ricky now that you as have always. him as a, as a contact. You can talk to him <laughs> about any water questions. Oh, oh okay. that'll happen. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- thank you guys very much for having me on, and I appreciate the uh, the honor of being your first guest. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, this, this was a good one. Uh, for everyone listening, you can find us. Yeah, for everyone listening, you can find us on theengineerofwhat.com. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Play, basically wherever you get a podcast. Um, be sure to grab your friend's phone and just subscribe for them. It's real simple. You can just hack their passcode, go to Apple and click subscribe. They'll thank you Works for it. Works real well. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, if you have any questions for me or Ricky or even Dave, you can go to our website and click the contact button or email us info at the engineer of what.com. Um, but any anyway, topics for- that you guys want us to cover, we can cover those too. I mean, we're open yep. books here. Yep. Anything. Either email us or tweet at us at engineer of what. Um, but for this week, this is Nate. This is Rick. And Dave, just throw and yourself on there. Dave. Oh, uh, I'm Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Good try.